What's going on, everybody? I hope everyone is having a great Friday afternoon, and welcome to WSUM 91.7 FM Student Radio. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Salomon, and my guest star, Quint Leal, to discuss the beginning of the NBA season, finals predictions, drama in Philly, and dark horse teams to watch out for. How are we doing today, boys? Doing great, man. It's great to be here. I'm ready to talk some ball. Yeah, yeah so I'm, am I. I'm also excited. There's, I got a lot of, a lot of things to say about uh, basketball this, this, this season at least because you know last season, at, right after the whole you know COVID bubble season, um, not super high expectations for a lot of teams, but I think this year there's a lot more expectations going into it, which I'm super excited about. Yeah, besides Christmas, this is the most wonderful time of the year for me, at least. Yeah. This is sizing up to be one of the most entertaining basketball seasons in, re- in recent history since uh, 2016, I think. Yeah, definitely. 2016 was a great year. Also a great year for me because my Cubbies won the first World Series in 108 years, but that's besides the point. So let's uh, jump into these questions. So about two weeks ago, Ben Simmons told the Sixers organization that he will not report to training camp and he plans to never suit up in a Philly uniform ever again. Let me ask you boys this. Where do the Sixers go from here? Well, frankly, I don't blame Ben Simmons for feeling the way he feels about it because his coach and his co-star are just kind of throwing him under the bus when they could have just supported him and probably had him uh, in a Sixers uniform right now. Um, I think as for the Sixers, they're going to have to try to get some trade value out of him. I know Daryl Morey, uh, Morey Ball, big fan of him, but I- I'm curious what his next move will be. I'm not too sure if he's going to try to hold him and then get a better trade cause I just don't think Ben wants to play for them. And obviously, if he plays, his value will go up. But, like, what, what's, what do you guys think? So, first off, this isn't like an Anthony Davis type slash James Harden type of situation. Unlike those guys, Ben still has four years, $146 million left on his contract. And most importantly, those guys actually know how to play basketball come playoff time. Ben's performance during the Atlanta series totally destroyed his value. He took three total shots in the fourth quarter of the whole series, and he passed up a wide-open dunk during a crucial part of the game. The problem with Philly, like you said, Quinn, is that they want a guy like Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard in return for Ben, but their goals are unrealistic and they're too stubborn to settle for anything else. I understand why Ben is upset with the organization and fan base, but I feel like he's in the wrong. Joel Embiid was there with him for years before he signed that huge contract extension, so he knew what he was signing on for. Part of the reason he doesn't want to go back is because of the vitriol he's feeling from the fans. And apparently he's not strong enough to face the reality that he's hurting his team because he's afraid to shoot any shot outside of 10 feet. And I think on top of that, sorry to cut you off no, a you're bit, good. The on top of not wanting to shoot a shot, I would even say outside of like the restricted zone, um, he's, he's just a liability in-game. And now after the, all this drama in the offseason, how, how long until you think, oh, Ben Simmons becomes a liability off the court? You know, he... he he, like you said, spent all those years with Embiid. He was part of that process, part of, like, he was there when Philly was terrible, you know? And he's been there, one of their guys. And he was their guy before, you know, Embiid, the couple of years Embiid was hurt. And now they get a lot of success in previous years. They lose in the playoffs pretty dramatically a couple times. And then this year, last, excuse me, past season, lost to the Hawks, who they should have won in four, maybe, maybe five, I'll give you, but in four games. And he just kind of seemingly throws a tantrum. Yeah. Like, honestly, that's not going to be good for 
your stock going out because what team's going to want to take someone like that? No, I, I see what you're saying 100% with like what he could create off court for teams that are looking to court him right now. But I will say, like when we're talking about Ben Simmons, a lot of what happens is there's a recency bias of like, oh, we just lost his team a playoff game. And I feel like you have to understand that Ben Simmons is still young. Part of trust the process is that you're making investment in high draft picks, hoping that they'll turn out to be something. And Ben Simmons is... I mean, a lot of people, especially early on in the draft, before, like, pre-draft, they're like, oh, this guy has potential to be LeBron James. He's basically almost all of that, but without a jump shot. If he had the jump shot, it would open up his game tremendously. And honestly, like, I, I think the Sixers really could have kept him for another few years and seen if he could have done that. Because he, right now, Ben Simmons is one of the most dominant transition offensive players I've honestly ever seen. His coast-to-coast speed is unmatched, and he's, like, so good at his height and size, athleticism, actually finding teammates. And that's just one side of the ball. Other side of the ball, he's one of the most versatile defenders. And um, the stats back it up, too. He's, I mean, he's an all-NBA defender right now, and he's only 26. So Yeah, Quint brings up a lot of good points. But if I'm Philly, I try and trade him because Ben is just mentally checked out. And I feel like he's already moved on in his mind. I understand that you can wait till January or February to see if his stock goes up and try and trade for a guy like Damian Lillard. But I know that's a risk that Daryl Morey won't take. In my opinion, just try and get something out of Ben while you can, even though it only may be C.J. McCollum, Robert Covington, and maybe two first-round picks. I mean, you got to understand, Ben is his own person. He can go wherever he wants, and the NBA enables that because recently free agency has become a bigger part of basketball. Oh, yeah. Players, player movement is one of the biggest things that we talked about during the offseason outside of who's going to be contending. And so I think Ben Simmons is all the right to try to find a better place that actually suits him, one, and also wants him to be there because if you're going to hear your coach and your uh, star teammate kind of put you down in a moment where you don't feel like, you know, you just feel weak, it just kind of like it, it, it will rub you the wrong way. And I don't blame him for feeling bad about going this season. I, I'm just I just think I'd love to see him play somewhere else because I think he's a good player. Yeah, I think also to your point of kind of your team when your teammates and your coach say these things that they're saying, like I think the. Th- not only has Ben Simmons kind of checked out and said, hey, I want, you know, I want to be traded. I don't want to play here anymore. The Sixers organization have completely shut him out. They just today actually was the day he was supposed to get paid. I think like a quarter of the $8 million in his salary he's supposed to get, they yep. just didn't pay him. Yeah. They simply have not paid him. And they it's, said any fines he accrues from now on going forward, if would, they'll take that out of his salary. And if he comes and starts playing, they'll give him what's left. But they just, they essentially have said, Ben Simmons, you're no longer, we no longer want you yeah. on the 76ers, um, which honestly isn't too surprising. Like we've just discussed, like there's a lot of reasons for why both sides might want that. But I think it's definitely, it's definitely one of those things where in free agency, you don't usually see like an organization or like a president of basketball operations or an individual player be like, okay, like I'm done. Like this is it. You know, there were a couple times where like a player might like stiff arm an organization, some, like maybe look at the Aaron Rodgers stuff this summer. But I think this this is one of those, like, it's not war, but it's they pretty much said, we're done. Like, yeah, this seems like a mutual breakup to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And, I mean, it is a little toxic, just like actual breakups. But, yeah, no, this is definitely <laughs> mutual. But I think both parties just don't want to move on because I feel like there's still feelings there. But they got to get over that. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I will say one, one other thing about Ben Simmons is that um, the, I feel like generally the reason why uh, a lot of people kind of will underrate him or kind of assume he's not in the upper echelon of players that he I, I feel like should be valued as is just because of like 
just like what our game is right now, it's all about pacing and spacing, which he he has the pacing, but the spacing isn't really there. And when you're looking at his box score, the first thing that you look at when you're looking at a player's box score is their points scored. And he's always single digits, and that's like that's a concern for, I guess, casual fans. But uh, it's. But then on top of that, you look at his box score, and yes, he's not scoring all the points, but it's someone of Ben Simmons' name, even a casual fan from LA or Chicago will know his name you know he's he's definitely a global NBA you know you know his I mean, name he's an all-star level player exactly yeah. if you're if you're a fan of the NBA you know his name but when you're not scoring those points you expect you know maybe someone like uh Rajon Rondo who's like the assist leader you know I mean, yeah was the assist leader years ago but uh like someone who's a big assist player or a big rebounder uh maybe they're not putting all the points up but they're doing something else and I haven't seen anything yet from Ben Simmons specifically that has been like, okay, you're not great at scoring, you're great at blank. He's he's good at everything. I've except for shooting. He's terrible at shooting. Free throws <laughs> free throws and shooting. And the problem is, like you said, with that spacing, he can do the pacing, he can facilitate, he can do all that. The spacing, he is negative spacing. hundred percent. You leave him wide open. If he hits a three, you're like, wow, that's a one in a what, forty eight attempts or something. Yeah. So yeah. I think Ben Simmons has quality. I think he has potential. Like you said, he's young. He can learn to shoot free throws. He can practice. I mean, look at Giannis. Giannis was the same kind of deal. He was, was it two years ago now? Uh, free throws, you would foul Giannis and have him shoot free That's throws. That's still the same situation, but at least the difference between Giannis and Ben is Giannis actually has the confidence to take those shots. Like, he doesn't care if the fans, like, count down to 10 or whatever. Yeah. Like, he, he at least, like, has the mindset, like, I'm going to take these shots. I don't care how many shots I'm going to miss. All I know is that my team needs me. Because I have to shoot these many shots, and that's the only way we're going to win. Ben yeah, doesn't he, have that mindset. It's a mental yeah. block. Yeah, and he's got to get over that. Also, on top of that, Giannis saw a year ago, two years ago, that his free throw shooting was a liability to the team. If he wants to win a championship, got to shoot better, shoot better free throws at least. And that's exactly what he did. He went back. He went back, and what was it in that game seven against the? I think the Nets. It was he hit like twelve yeah. or fourteen. Like he, yeah, he came up close. He shot. He shot from well from the free throw line. Yeah, in the and last so, game of the finals, I think he was like what, like fifteen for sixteen. Yeah. yeah. So Amazing. clearly, Put up the fifty burger, man. It's something you Crazy. can improve Crazy. on. Crazy. You know, not everyone is going to be Shaq. Not everyone is going to be terrible at free throws their entire career. Uh, and if you really want to improve in this league, you have to work for it. And that's yeah. clear from so many different players. Like a lot of. Let's just take the example of LeBron. LeBron wasn't always known for his shooting, right? He was, he was, you get to the rim, he'll just blow by you, he'll finish around the rim, but he's not a real big threat, like from three, from mid range, even from the free throw line. But now, LeBron's one of those consistent shooters in the league. He's he's up there. He is efficient the from three. You know? He's not a great three point shooter, but he's very efficient, he's efficient. from there. He's, he's a much league average less. efficiency from three, but everything else, it, like just having that league average efficiency, opens up so much more for his game. Exactly. That I wish Ben Simmons had. And I thought it was interesting that you brought up the Giannis comparison because Giannis was getting a lot of flack for I guess like last year before he made this you know finals run. Uh, the Bucks were just very like it was it was very up in the air if he was going to stay or not. Um, if uh, who was going to be his teammates if they were going to make another run at it. But, you know, you just trust the process and yeah. it ended up working out. But it just seems like the Sixers uh, the Sixers staff didn't really trust the process on Ben, and that's, that's what we're dealing with right now. Well, I think it was just – it was a mix of things. I feel like they just – Philly in general just hasn't recovered since the Kawhi Game 7 game winning oh, shot. Like, no, I'm not even kidding. Like, they literally they like – and it's also Brett Brown's fault, too. Like, there was no accountability in that locker room because that's, like, what J.J. Redick said on his podcast. And also them, like, I'm biased, but, like, them losing Jimmy, I feel like, just sent them into, like, a cascade. Definitely. Because Jimmy was that leader in that locker room. Like, he was that voice to tell guys, like, if you're not doing something well, he would tell you it. 
and he was those guy. He was the guy that would just set the tone in that locker room every single night, and they lost that. And then there was no sense of leadership on that team. Like people didn't know if it was Ben's team or Joel's team. Yeah, and on top of that, uh, in recent, you know, with the beginning of preseason summer league stuff coming up, uh, there've been a lot of press conferences and like you know press days for different teams, and the 76ers have had theirs. And Joel Embiid pretty much said straight up, like, we everything we did, or most of the things we did as an organization in terms of personnel and players, was pretty much to cater to Ben Simmons. Yeah, we got rid of, like, he said out loud, like, we got rid of Jimmy yeah. because Ben wanted the ball more. Yeah. Which is like, that's a big deal. That's Jimmy Butler. You don't just give up Jimmy Butler because some other guy who can't shoot wants the ball more. That's... Or if you do that, you better put a lot into him and really build around him. And yes, they might have done that, but... Yeah, definitely. I'd be interested to see, like, what sort of contract they had with Jimmy because I feel like a lot of this is, like, kind of outside of our knowledge of, like, you know, was it a good move financially to keep Jimmy? Yeah. Like, you know, they may have had to pay him more. Yeah, there's so many It seemed like there was a lot of turmoil yeah. between, like, Jimmy and Ben because, like, you know, one of them should be, like, handling the ball. You know, they're, they're both, like, ball-dominant guys, I would say, in offense. They could be. And I know it's like they just chose Ben because I guess they're still kind of sticking to the let's make a run in the future. Which makes sense. It makes sense. But also I think Jimmy was inevitably going to leave Philly. Because I remember he was a guest on JJ's podcast. And apparently the reason why he left is because someone in the Sixers organization asked one of the coaches, hey, can you can, can you control Jimmy? And once Jimmy heard that, like he thought it was an absolute turnoff. And he's like, I don't need to be controlled. I'm a grown man. And he went to yeah, Miami. Exactly. I think a lot of people like didn't like his intensity. They couldn't really match up with it, sort of thing. And like when he he was like kind of new to the team, but he kind of wanted to take a leadership role and tell the team what to do. But I think it was like Brett Brown or something. It was Brett Brown. Brett Brown was kind of holding him down a little bit and being like, "This is how we run things here." And then Jimmy, it just didn't uh, rub Jimmy the right way. And so he's like, "You know what? I'd rather be somewhere I feel comfortable, where I can give my opinions and." change the culture here yeah well, miami just fits in perfect yeah. miami is a perfect fit yeah. for him I yeah love that's it. his team well speaking of miami actually i was thinking if miami now this year i'm really liking them if healthy i really like miami this year um but to real quick go back to a question that i was thinking of just recently let's say ben simmons leaves philly where do they end up in the east because right now you've got some really strong teams that we know brooklyn uh milwaukee I would I would say Miami, but Boston's pretty Boston, solid too. Like they've got a lot of really solid teams in the East, which has not been true in a lot of recent years. So the, or Atlanta, New York, like go Knicks. Yeah, I feel like it's there's a nice. lot of really solid teams, and so like where do you think Philly goes without Ben Simmons? I'm or really curious. Uh, I guess uh, who's going to be uh, their starting point guard? Because I, I hear that probably Maxie Tyrese Maxey. I yeah, feel Maxie. like they want to go in the younger direction, and Tyrese Maxey has also shown flashes of greatness. It's like, are they going to flip Ben for like um, like a George Hill type player who's kind of old and disciplined and will push the team further? Like, I'm just curious. What yeah, they're are they going to get an old guy who's going to teach Maxey? I could the see them guy. getting like yeah. a Malcolm Brogdon type of guy because they're going to have to settle That'd for something sweet. like that. And Malcolm Brogdon's great. great. Yeah, yeah, he's he's great to have. I mean, he's a great yeah. defender, really solid facilitator. He just put up empty stats on a crappy. Uh, Pacers team. Yeah, I mean, so I think it's a lesser-known Pacers team. They don't like really get the credit they deserve. And True. They're building. They're building. Watch they out. are building. building. In the yeah. East. I think so. For me, Philly, like you said, that question of point guard, and now the depth of point guard is questionable because like Seth Curry could handle the ball if needed in a tight situation, but he's not gonna. You're not gonna want him to be your primary guy. Um, so I think personally, they do make the playoffs. I think they're like probably like a six. I 
I also like the play-in tournament. I think that should stay. It, it's the East. Come on, they're making the playoffs. They're making yeah, the playoffs. Play- you say yeah. that, but they'll be. I, I think know. they'll be a top five I think, seed. I think if they really, if it really comes down to it, I think Charlotte could beat them in like a like. Philly's just a good regular of, season uh, team. Like Doc Rivers season. is a great regular season coach. That's it. And oh, I mean, yeah, 100%. but obviously in the playoffs, he. Like he just forgets how down. To, he forgets how to coach. Yeah, he's one of the most overrated coaches of the last decade. I mean, he's a player's coach. He, I, yeah. I remember like Paul Pierce was talking about, he knew that uh, Doc Rivers was a player's coach when he knew that uh, he could take off a game because he was too hungry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, and the idea of, you know, players leaving teams, players joining teams, I know, Ish, you want to talk a lot about kind of the roster changes and potential rankings and who's going to do well this next year because there's a lot of changes. Yeah, so I, I was going to kind of transition into the second question. Um, we kind of mentioned the Bucks, and last year it was great seeing Giannis and the Bucks win their first uh, championships in 71. But this offseason, like you said, Ben, a lot of teams improved, including the Lakers, who added like every superstar from the late 2000s and early 2010s, and the Nets, who reloaded as well. So if every team stays healthy, health, if every team stays healthy, who is your finals prediction? It's a great question because I think that keyword there is healthy. Oh, I think, healthy, yeah. Because obviously you can you can speculate like, oh, look oh at anything these, can look happen. At this team, yeah. But if you like you saw in the playoffs, you know there's certain teams that are really banged up, and when one or two players are hurt or not or not playing well, let's say at least like they crumble or they lose to teams that you would think should be. It able totally to changes them. the playing field. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think if you just go straight off of who's healthy. In the moment, I think Brooklyn from the East, I don't see anyone maybe defensively being able to stop them. The only thing that I could think about is you just put up more points, which is going to be hard to do. Yeah, you're not going to. Because I am a little nervous about their defense at times. They have some solid defenders, but I think if you're you're playing Kyrie, you know, KD and Harden on the floor at the same time, that's three out of five people that are... They're not bad. KD, I think, is the best defender out of the three of them. They have their... They have abilities to do certain things, but I think... They're much more of an offensive-minded team as a whole, so they're kind of the, of the idea like a good offense beats a good defense any day. Yeah. Um, and from the West, I don't know the way I I I believe in the West if everyone is healthy that the Denver Nuggets make the finals because I think Denver oh, is nasty because like Denver is they have the MVP who I think could definitely be the MVP again. They have Jamal Murray who could is an All Star I think for the rest of his career almost, and they have. Role guys like um oh, I forgot number eleven's name, but they've got Monte Morris. Monte Morris. They have Composite, Michael Will Porter Barton, Jr. Michael Porter oh, Mike, Jr. Aaron yeah, we gotta Gordon. talk about his contract. Yeah, <laughs> they've got they've got good players. No, so I, like I think Denver. Denver's my pick from the West. Just right. Now. I like that. I Everyone healthy. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess I'll get into mine. So I I wholeheartedly agree with the Nets being up there. I think they're just honestly unguardable when healthy. Like they only played eight games healthy together, and they were like what a second. They're like a top two seed. Uh, last year and um they were just an inch away from beating the champions so i i I see them moving up but obviously there's going to be some development in the east i think um i think i think the bucks will definitely be up there again either the between the first and the third seed just depends upon how how it uh, works out and i think there's also some dark horses in the east we should talk about i think the heat and the hawks have a great chance of moving up potentially to like the second or third seed just depends upon where health goes because the hawks Going into the, I'm a Knicks fan. They uh, going into the Knicks uh, series. I think they were like the third hottest team in the league, like in like a 30 game span. But nobody was talking about that. And then they continued that. And they the continued it. So. And then uh, I guess Trey Young, and then the Bucks happened, and then uh, rest is history. So yeah, definitely see the Nets coming out of the East. And in regards to the West, 
historically it's been a toss-up because it's always been, well, at least I think during LeBron's career span, the West has just been way more competitive. And I would say that the Jazz, Suns, Nuggets, and Lakers are all, all up there. And if, if we were talking theoretically, I mean, are we going to put Kawhi Leonard in the mix theoretically for saying if they're all healthy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Everybody. An, and Clay Thompson. Uh, I was going to say, Golden yeah. State coming up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's literally, like, I would say, like, six teams that could all vouch for those top three spots, yeah. which I don't see that same sort of thing going on in the East. Absolutely. Yeah. But I like, I like your Nuggets pick. I think Porter, I think Porter's really going to develop into something special. I feel like a lot of people, like, that was probably one of the biggest deals of that draft. And, like, credit to the Denver Nuggets. As a small market team, the only way that you're really going to make it in this league with free agency being as important as it is is you have to build through the draft. And they took a risk on Porter, and they won with that. And they're giving him money because he deserves it. He's one of the most impactful scorers by any advanced metric right now. But it's just not really heard of until we'll see him being an all-star, I think, in the next few years and doing something. I really want to talk about the Lakers. I think we'll get into lengthy discussion about that. A lot of people have them as favorites because they're just talking about the like the 2010 like all-star lineup that they got, that they're a little bit kind of on the edge of their primes right now, especially Dwight Howard and Rondo. I think uh, I'd like to see how Russell integrates in that team. Ish, what do you think about Russ uh, joining the Lakers? Yeah, so uh, going into my finals prediction, I do have a basic pick. It's the Nets and the Lakers. That's my pick. Besides being loaded with offensive talent, I think the Nets made a lot of really solid offseason additions by signing Patty Mills, who'll be a great scoring punch off the bench. Also, he's like he was in that Spurs system, which is really going to help. And uh, as a point guard. Some, yeah, he's a great backup. Yeah. He's a great. He's the, one of the best backup point guards. In the yeah, league. Yeah, just add championship pedigree. Like this guy, he's been around town. Like he's been around the league for a while. He's got a Paul, sick accent too. Yeah, he's got a sweet accent. And Paul Millsap, who's a perfect small ball stretch four, and he's a versatile defender that'll perfectly fit Steve Nash's defensive scheme. And then let's talk about Kevin Durant. He almost single-handedly took down the Bucks last season, so I really don't see anyone stopping them offensively. And the three-headed monster with Harden, Irving, and Durant is an absolute matchup nightmare if they stay healthy. I don't think teams will be able to match their offensive firepower. And over in the West, talking about Russell Westbrook and the Lakers, I know they're basically a retirement home right now, but they made a huge addition by adding Hall of Fame talent in Russell Westbrook. And I know this team is going to go through some rough patches since Russ and LeBron are arguably the most ball-dominant players in the game. But I truly believe that LeBron will unlock the most efficient version of Russ and he'll help take the offensive load off Braun and AD during the regular season because he plays at 110 miles per hour every single game. If the Lakers stay healthy, I don't see any team in the West giving them problems besides the Clippers since they can match up the best against the Lakers thanks to the Claw and PG. So I think Westbrook, it's, it's going to be tough. Like the first 20, 30 games, like getting integrated in that offense and also just spacing troubles, but... I think it's I think it's gonna work out for them. No, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Like when I was thinking about the Lakers, I think the biggest thing for them is chemistry fit and fit. It's gonna be a development during the early part of the season. I see them having a big turnaround post all star break if they're all healthy because then it'll be like they've had time to get used to their play styles and kind of figure figure out how they can match up against the teams that they'll be seeing in the playoffs. And um I'm I'm really excited. Like as much as like I will bash Russell Westbrook sometimes for his inefficient scoring, and I uh, feel like he'd be, he could share, share the ball a little more. Um, I do think that uh, I'd love to see him as an efficient player. I'd love to see that, and I think LeBron is the best guy for it. I yeah, think- yeah, oh, yeah. At, and at the end of the day, this guy just wants to win. That's the only thing that's like missing from his like legacy, honestly. He has like all the individual accolades. He's got the scoring titles. He's 
He's got the stats to back him, back it up and why he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. The only thing missing from his resume is a championship. And all this guy does is wants to, he wants to win, and he's a great teammate. And I think he'll sacrifice in order to help the Lakers uh, bring home number 18. Yeah, I think, so with the Lakers, I don't know. They have, on paper, I think they're better than the Nets. Just in they're terms deeper, of depth, in terms of yeah. depth, in yeah. terms of seven game series, they can they can really handle an injury to one of their big key three guys a lot better, I think, than the Nets can. I agree. Um, you know, if let's say Russell Westbrook gets hurt, you have Rondo sliding for more minutes. Maybe Malik Monk plays more. Maybe I don't know. Some like Wesley Matthews gets more minutes. But my biggest issue is they really have a lot of role players. They almost have too many. They have too many guys who are like you said early 2000s, late 2000s, 2010s. People like DeAndre Jordan, people like Dwight Howard, John Rondo, Carmelo, Trevor Ariza. Like, that's five people just off the top of my head that are, let's say, the second half, in the second half, maybe even third quarter, fourth quarter of their careers, right? They're not going to be playing 40 minutes a night. You're not going to have DeAndre Jordan run up and down the court for 40 minutes. So I think... There's a lot of guys that are like maybe more shooting oriented. Like you put Ariza, you put Melo out there for just points. But I do think that with Russell Westbrook, with LeBron, with AD, you can overcome that. I just am a little nervous yeah. and a little apprehensive about saying they're like they're the team to beat yeah. because of how many role players they have. I'm interested. It's like it's funny that you're saying that they have so many role players because they have guys like Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk, who if we're playing, if they were playing in like bottom feeder level teams they could probably put up like 15 to 20 points a yeah, game on high minutes good. like they're good and they're growing and also i think uh ish will definitely know a lot about this but i like have this really good feeling about thc yeah lebron has a lot of confidence in him and i think this guy's going to develop into something special that we're not ready for and uh, on another note i was also thinking about uh lebron during media day he mentioned uh Somebody brought up spacing, and he instead of mentioning like the regular spacing that we're used to thinking about spacing out the floor, having you know a five-out sort of offense, he mentioned vertical spacing. And so what I found interesting about that is whenever I think of LeBron and his tenure on the Lakers, I just think of him doing pick and rolls and throwing it to Anthony Davis, biggest lob threat in the league, yeah. or throwing it to Dwight Howard, who's back now. Or, or DeAndre. Now throwing DeAndre. The old, the old lob city, yeah. Dude, so vertical spacing is actually, I think, a really big thing for them, and they got a lot of guys who can play make now. So that's going to be an interesting thing their to see. Their defense is going to be tough, too. Yeah, I think I think their biggest improvement this offseason is their defense, even though they had people like Carmelo and Rondo, who you don't always think like, oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> but when Rondo, when, when Rondo puts his mind to it, he's like one of the... I agree. Yeah, because just his IQ is just on another level. And you got Russell Westbrook, who's just tena- tenacious Yeah, His practices are going to be intense. Oh, oh I mean, yeah. Between yeah. Rondo when and Russ Westbrook. When Russ plays defense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you got yeah. LeBron there. And it, like ever, I think I saw another thing just recently, and uh, ESPN was reporting about how... LeBron is like super happy, like he's enjoying his practices. Like he's saying, like the attitude here, it's like it's like taking a different level. There I mean, people are more I mean, yeah, passionate, more motivated. They're just yeah. like they're in it. I mean, win. he's enjoying it because he doesn't care anymore. Like he knows that like he's accomplished everything at this point. He's just trying to like add more stuff to the resume, maybe pass up Kareem, and then at that point, like he just really wants to show everyone, like, like yeah, like I'm. I don't really care what the media says. Like I just want to like. Focus on myself, focus on my family, and like and win. just make the city of LA proud. Yeah, and that's, I that's think, all he cares about. And I think that's yeah. the other thing is yeah. everyone on the team is there to win, and everyone on the team is there to work towards that. 
and it's not like he has to f- he feels like he has to carry or he feels he has to put up 35 a night in order to have a chance at winning he's got those other guys around him that want to do the same thing they want to win they're happy to most of them some of them are happy to share the ball and like if they have an open shot but they know that other guy's hot they'll pass it to him and he'll, he'll hit his open shot so i think there's a lot more uh playmaking like you mentioned on the team but there's also just a lot more positive leaders Definitely. I think you've got Rondo, who I think is one of the best leaders of a team. He's like the him or honestly, he's probably who I would choose. When he's if you locked want to in, teach. he's one of the best leaders in our game. Yeah, if you Absolutely. want to teach if you want to teach a point guard how to play basketball, you show him yeah, highlights. Send him or, to Rondo's camp. Exactly. Yeah, seriously. So. yeah, so I think I think the Lakers look really good. I think they have a really good roster. Their offseason probably the best almost of all time. Yeah. Like in terms of adding great players, like you said, Kendrick Nunn. Malik Monk really under the radar guys. Yeah, that's just because there's a like everybody wants to play in LA. These young guys want to play in LA. They want to make a name for themselves, build up their brand a little bit. Maybe ring chase early so they don't have to ring chase later, right, like right. a lot of NBA players like yeah. Melo have to do. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm interested to see how it plays out. Yeah. Well, on the other side of this real quick break, uh, we're gonna keep talking about the NBA. We're gonna talk about some of those top teams. We're gonna go back to the Nets. Maybe talk about their roster depth, some of how they might match up against teams like the Lakers we just talked about. And then finish off with talking about our Dark Horse teams this season. Perfect. Say less. Lots of laughs. COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel. But now there are vaccines. And they are the very first step that let us get back to what we miss most. It's okay to have questions. Is it safe? Should I wait? Now, get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision when vaccines are available to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. I'm a champion. Realize Shaq's mechanism. Ash Killer Mill for Rad. It's not your normal PSA. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're gonna go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the US Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hey, there's my son. You've been in your room all morning. Hey, Dad. Um, Matt, what's wrong with your voice? There is nothing wrong with my voice. Oh, well, it's just sort of... I have been playing my video games and electronic games for so many hours. Uh Uh-huh. Well, it sounds like it might be time for you to take a break, or... Hello, Dad. Um, Susan? I have been watching TV and text messaging all morning. Yay, electronics. Yay, yay, yay. Guys, I think it's about time to get in the car and take a little trip. Maybe see some trees, some green things. What are these green things you speak of? This weekend, unplug. Take your family to the forest. There's nothing in the world like experiencing nature firsthand. Trees, paths, bluebirds, streams. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Paul McCartney on behalf of Rad. If you're drinking, you can't drive my car or any car. And remember, don't drink and drive. It's just not worth it. A 
public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. What's, so, what's going on, guys? We're back from our little break. Just finished talking about some L.A. basketball. And um, I think we're going to transition and talking about the dark horse teams in this in this year's uh, upcoming season. So, I mean, obviously we know the Lakers and the Nets look unstoppable on paper. But are there any teams in either conference you guys can see making a, making a little Cinderella run? I mean, yeah, I think, like you mentioned, the Lakers, the Nets... I would argue the Bucks as well. Maybe even you could say if they play like they did last year, the Suns. Like there's teams that are not that you expect to be good or, you know, top five challenging for those top three seeds in their respective leagues. But yeah, I think there's a lot of teams in the league now that are really kind of vying for maybe not like top four seeds, but definitely the playoffs or just like make it into the playoffs in a long time, make a deep run kind of like Atlanta did last year. I think there's a lot. The league this year, or the last two years, including this year, feels the almost the most balanced it has in a long time, which feels weird because you have teams like LA and Brooklyn with like these three of like the top ten players, like six of the top ten players in the league are on two teams. Like that's crazy, or maybe top fifteen. But like, I don't know. I think there's, I don't know. I have to think about this one a little longer. I have I have some ideas, but I don't want to be too rash. I'm thinking, you guys I'm thinking that we can go conference by conference sort of thing, so we can kind of like look at the playoff picture on each side. That, All right, that's hit cool. me with the East. What do you got? So coming from the East, in terms of dark horses, so we already know the Nets and the Bucks are up there, clearly. They already got like their own established big threes, and they're just only going to get better and better as they get more chemistry. But in terms of dark horses... I love to see. I, I really have high hopes for the Atlanta Hawks. Just like it's hard to say that as a Knicks fan, seeing them like no, you same. know just dog us in the playoffs. It's kind of hard to see. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like um, I remember uh, before that playoff series, uh, there was a lot of questions about if John Collins was going to stay in the team, and then just seeing like just the proliferation of the connection between. Trey Young and John Collins and all these lobs, like that one lob in the uh, in the series against the, the Sixers, series? Oh, when he Sixers jammed series. in on Embiid's head, yeah. was like oh, that was otherworldly highlight right there. And I think the Hawks, like they start, they ended their season really hot, and I think they're going to start this season pretty hot too because they I got mean, a lot to prove. They could be one of those duos, like you said, like John 100%. Collins and Trey Young could be like a duo that stays with their team for a long time, stays together, and can really carry the team. I like that one. Yeah, another one I was thinking of. Actually, I think we'll, we could have a really good discussion about is the Miami Heat because they had like a they had a really rough start to the playoffs where they they just ended up getting didn't they get swept by the Bucks? Yeah, they got swept by Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were a little banged game up. Game one was great though. Game one was solid, but then they just yeah. As totally soon as they lost that, that yeah. I agree. As soon as they lost that, they kind of gave up. They were a little banged up at the time, I think, but no, I, they actually weren't banged up. I think they were fully healthy. Besides Oladipo being out, yeah. so but I really I, don't think that would made a difference. Yeah. But though. their off season, great. quite good. For them, at least, quite good. Yeah, Kyle Lowry is going to be a huge addition just because, one, the leadership he has. Um, I think he's just going to fit well in the chemistry. Like, I saw during media day, him, uh, Jimmy, and Bam, like, chopping it up on the side. Like, it's just, like, looking very promising with that. And I think a big thing that a lot of us will forget about the Heat is how good Duncan Robinson was two years ago. Is, he was arguably is. the best three-point shooter of that season because Clay and Curry were out. And then he just dropped off. So I love to see him, like, find his way again. And also see Tyler Hero get his swagger back. I mean, in the bubble, he was playing like a like an all star, and then this postseason during the regular season, he kind of just fell off. So hopefully, he'll be able to kind of find his role within that offense. I'm excited for PJ Tucker to kind of 
find that role and like fit that small ball forward. And I just feel like he totally fits Miami's culture. Yeah, I think Miami is definitely kind of the old school Pistons. They're really gritty. They're going to play physical. They're going to be like, they're that team where like you go down low and you like, if you get past Tucker, you get past Jimmy, you got to go through a out of bio. Like there's a lot of big, strong guys on that team definitely. that are not going to let you just go right past them and score. So I think they're going to be a lot of really physical team. And I think the two additions that stood out to me were that P.J. Tucker and Kyle Lowry pickups. P.J. Tucker, one of the, in my opinion, best role players in the league. He Absolutely. You don't expect I, – I honestly don't even expect points from him at this point. He knows his role, man. If he you put him on KD, you put him on you know the, the other team's best offensive player. Maybe not KD. KD's a little tall for him, but you put K- him on the the other team's best offensive player, and they're gonna have a if not they if they have a great night, it's gonna be one for the ages because he's really really solid defensively, um, as well as rebounding. Just in general, he's not huge, but like you said, he could be that small ball guy that can play in when Autobio needs some minutes on the bench. I mean, yeah, the thing, about, the thing I love about PJ is he's not afraid of challenges. He's not afraid to shy away from a challenge. I mean, that whole Buck series, you have the reigning defensive player of the year, and he didn't even check KD once. I mean, yeah. PJ was guarding him the whole series. And yeah. the thing about great players is you can't stop a great player. You can only hope to contain them. And I think PJ did, and I think PJ did the best job he possibly could. Like, yeah. He, he yeah. was all over KD. Yeah, I, I really like the Heat in the East. I really think the Heat are one of those two. And Atlanta, I guess. But I think Miami more now because they had those, let's say, bigger names, quote-unquote. Kyle Lowry, P.J. Tucker, maybe not all-stars, but definitely solid players. Former all-stars. Kyle Lowry used to be an all-star. And he has the potential to play like it. You know, when he he was the guy in Toronto. Um, Siakam kind of came up and started playing better. OG Ananube played better, but... I still think Kyle Lowry was the guy there. He was there. He was their their guy from He was the, the guy when Kawhi wasn't there. He was the, exactly yeah. exactly. And so now I think Miami has a really strong case. Like you said earlier in that other question about making the finals if healthy. Yeah. Miami really needs to be healthy because that Oladipo, I think Oladipo Oladipo's the X factor of that is team. nasty. I think Oladipo is insanely underrated. However, he gets hurt really easily and when he gets hurt, it's for a long time. He's mad at a glass. So, yeah. so if he can say if he can stay healthy, I think Miami's a top three team in the East. No matter who is one and two, I it's think they're one, day. two, or three. They're they're yeah. up there for my range. Like for the Heat, is like I'm thinking two through four, and I think that's the same story for the 76ers. Mm. Honestly, regardless of who they regardless who they have at point, because I think they have a lot of great tools around them. Um, they like they I have think, the points. I think we got to talk about Matisse Thibel for a minute, man. Yeah, if he develops an offensive game, Thibel is going to be a dangerous two-way he player is, yeah, for this, in this league to come. Yeah. According to all the advanced metrics that they have on NBA.com, if you channel it and actually create like an impact stat for defense, Matisse Thibel by minute is the best defender, like honestly, in, in the league just for what his role is. I love to see those stats when he's playing like 30 minutes a game yeah. and doing yeah, more, but as a role player, he's probably the best perimeter defender Yeah, right was he a finalist last year for defense? No, he wasn't. He was he like second-team all-defense. He played 19 team. minutes a game, but his yeah. impact he was like He was definitely up there. He was on some all-defense team or all-NBA second, third, something like if that. If he just develops like a corner jump shot and like just like develops like a pull-up J, just that's one all shot. he needs. You need one really thing other than defense, I think. If you want to be like, if you want to be a defensive player that makes an impact in the game and plays higher minutes, you need one thing yeah. at least on offense, like a like maybe a corner three or a, he's really good at floaters or he has an insane mid range shot yeah. kind of thing that you that keeps an other team honest and yeah. really commits to defending them as opposed to like maybe a Ben Simmons who they can just leave open at three and be like oh if he hits this I mean what are we gonna do it's like the third yeah. one he's ever hit so 
I like that. I like the Sixers. I think they have also Tobias Harris is really solid. He's really underrated. His, his He's playoffs, really solid. he was the reason they got through the playoffs and, and beat in some of the later series. But first round, he, he alone yeah, he could have beat Washington. He yeah. could have beat Washington himself. He's a great so, shot creator. Yeah. So I think that those are definitely my teams in the East. I think all those guys you mentioned, Miami, uh, Atlanta, Philly. My fourth personal dark horse is the Bulls. I think Chicago... They're not right. gonna. They're definitely lower half, bottom half of the playoffs. I don't see them challenging for top four. They're not gonna make a run like the Knicks did last year. Um, although I hope the Knicks make top four again because I as well am a Knicks fan. Yeah, um, me but too. I think, I think my uh, excuse me, Chicago with a couple really really good off season additions, like insanely good. They yeah, we actually took, stepped up for the first time they, in like they, forever. So good job. They took pretty much. Uh, like no one really great. They have they had they had one or two guys, right? They had Zach Levine. That was really and good. And Vucevic, I guess. I mean, it was but Vucevic was a midseason acquisition. Yeah, was mid-season right? So acquisition. the beginning of last year, you start with just. Oh yeah, we had Zach no Levine. one, and I say we because I'm actually part of the team secretly. They just yeah. don't know that yet. <laughs> but yeah, no, we had nice. no one at the beginning. You got you of the got season. you got you got Zach Levine and a couple potentially good guys. I think Markinen was still there at the time. Kobe White has potential, like some really solid young guys. But now you add. Again, Lonzo, one of the DeRozan, other one of the other Russo. most pretty sure pretty players. sure Ish is on the wait list for the GM spot. I am. For the Bulls. I am. Oh, nice. I should have got He's the spot. Way. I just wanted to pursue my education at UW Madison. That's fair. Instead. That's fair. That priorities, man. It's priorities yeah. right now. Once you graduate, they'll they'll have the the door wide open for you. Yeah, I believe it. I, but I think th- adding DeRozan, I think, is huge. I think Demar Derozan more so than Oladipo is the most underrated player in the league. Demar Derozan. He's up there. Has been the guy pretty much wherever he's gone, unless there was someone named Kawhi Leonard on his team. He's been, he's a, I think he's an all-star. He's all-star caliber. He's solid. Um, he's all solid offensively and he's solid defensively. He's kind of, I kind of put him in the same echelon as Jimmy Butler. Like he's really good offensively, really good defensively. I think what he lacks is that kind of personality, that leadership, that kind of. He just lacks a three-point shot. That's all, that's the only thing he really yeah, lacks. Yeah, his three is not, not ideal. But then you said Vucevic, I think is a top. Five center in the league. He's yeah, solid. He was putting, yeah, he was putting up like all-star level numbers with Orlando. Yeah. He's obviously not going to put up those same numbers because there's yeah. more mouths to feed yeah. in Chicago, but he's still going to be very solid. I agree. Them. And then yeah. Lonzo Ball. Yeah, I will say about Vooch though, like I love, like Vucevic's production on offense is crazy. Like 22 points as a center is a lot, but I feel like defense, he's kind of lacking a little bit, but that's not going to be too big of a problem for the Bulls because they have solid perimeter defense with Lonzo and DeMar DeRozan guarding your best uh, yeah. wing players. Like those guys are really underrated on the defensive end. So I'd yeah. like to see that come. Yeah, I think Chicago's probably the team with the highest ceiling, but they also have a pretty low floor. I think if they don't play well and, you know, maybe they expose Vucevic down low or if they, you know, Lonzo doesn't hit his shots and DeMar doesn't hit his shots and their shooting from three is not as good, I think they could definitely fall out of the playoffs. Yeah, but good. I definitely think that their ceiling is super high. Yeah, as a Bulls fan, it's the first time I've been excited since, like, 2016, 2017. Like, as a fan, we actually have something to root for in Chicago, and um, I think we can make something special. Not this year. Oh, we're not we're not winning a championship this year. Oh, of course I'd, not. No. I'd be ludicrous to say that. But, yeah, uh, yeah I think um, I think the Bulls will be solid. It's, it's good to see. It's good to see. Yeah, I think Dark Horse, to me, the having a Dark Horse team is difficult because I, I don't really count Atlanta as a Dark Horse anymore. Yes, I really? think they could definitely be... If you're taking Dark Horse to mean, you know, people that aren't in the top three that can do well, of course. But I think Atlanta's favored to make top four or top five seed in the playoffs, do really well, and have another good run like last year. I don't see any reason, to be honest, based off of their offseason, that they're not going to do that. You know, they didn't make any 
as far as I know, any huge dramatic changes. I mean, Trey Young's still there. Collins is still there. Uh, Bogdan is still there. That's really all you need. Gallo's still there, right? Hmm? Gallinari? Yeah, Gallo. Yeah, so they've still got those key guys from their playoff run, so I don't see them not doing that again. So, yes, I think they're a dark horse in terms of can they beat the Bucks, the Nets of the world? Yes. But I don't think they're a dark horse in the league anymore because like they're, if, they've established themselves. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the East, I would say like the clear top four would be Nets, Bucks, and then you could flip either the Sixers or the Heat, depending upon the Ben Simmons situation. And the Hawks, Celtics, and Bulls are all kind of fighting for that. Like, and I would Knicks. say, and the Knicks play in or not, and the Knicks, man. I'm and a Knicks, Knicks fan, but I'm just really like they got to prove something to me. I've been a fan for eight years. I want to see you. something no, I'm happen. It's hard seeing Julius Randle get locked up by Danilo Gallinari for five games. Yeah, it was tough. Oof. And it's not a, not only that. I think to maybe focus in on the Knicks a little bit. The Knicks were the ultimate example of what happened, in my opinion, to the Bucks in the bubble. The Bucks at the time, the when you looked at Milwaukee, the only thing you thought about was Giannis. You didn't think about anyone. Middleton was still there. They had really good players. They had Lopez. They had Milton. They have good players. Eric Bledsoe also forgot how to play basketball. They just it's the like bubble. yeah. Giannis. You stop Giannis from scoring, you beat them. And what happened with the Knicks, not only did so certain defenders like Gallinari or other players kind of shut him down a little bit. He just missed open shots. Yeah. I think Julius Randle, in my opinion, what it looked like wasn't ready mentally for the playoffs. Yeah, he, wasn't he, confident. Was, he wasn't confident. He was nervous. He As soon as he had like one bad game, he was like, that's it. Because they handed him the like the, the most improved player trophy like right before his game and just like kind of setting the expectations like, oh, you're New York star right now. We're going to give you a trophy. Go yeah. do something. Yeah. And then like I've never seen like a worse combination of like three throws and bad shooting. Like, yeah, honestly, it was it was hard it was to watch. Definitely as a hard fan. to watch. But as as a Knicks fan, I'm like really excited to see uh, Mitch Robinson come back and be healthy yep. at some point. Because as a lob threat and as a defender, like those are like levels where he's just like he's elite at. And I'd like to see uh, the Knicks make uh, another playoff run because it's a big market, and I feel like at some point in the next five years, we're gonna start attracting free agents. Oh, definitely. At least within the next five, if not earlier. I think the Knicks, their strongest suit is definitely their defense. I think their Tom Thibodeau team has always been known for their defense. They're kind of also kind of a more gritty, physical team that's going to have those big defenders. Like, even though you're not going to say Taj Gibson is a great player, he's solid down low. Nerlens Noel, solid solid with blocks. I think he was one of the league leaders in blocks last year. Um, all their centers yeah. all their centers and role players know their role defensively, which exactly, I Exactly, which is really important, I think. The only key that's missing is that offense. I think R.J. Barrett's going to have, is continuing to improve. I think he's looked better and better with each season. I think Randall, I mean, he deserved most improved player last year. I think he did look like the most improved player. I think he deserved the all-star um, nod, but I don't think he's the guy yet. I think maybe he could develop into that, but I don't think with the team you have now, you're going to win a championship. Not only, yeah. not not even disregarding like super teams or anything like that. I just don't think that they have enough offensive power unless maybe Derrick Rose is back and he's the MVP again. But... <laughs> I don't think they have that power right now to really, really challenge for a championship. It would have to be one of those things like, kind of like Randall at Kentucky, where like they're a lower seed that kind of sneaks their way to the championship, and there it is. Yeah, I so. think we'll know more about Randall as the season progresses because I want to see what player he develops into. If he's going to plateau at this level, or is he going to like surprise us this season? And I think it's interesting, like the crossover between being a Bulls fan and a Knicks fan, because we both share Thibodeau. We did. Uh, overplay his guys, but yeah. he's one really good defensive coach. 
Yeah. But I think offense, I'm curious what his philosophy is. Maybe he just lets them do whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, I think offensively, my last little bit about the Knicks is the addition of Kemba Walker could be really great. If Kemba plays like Cardiac Kemba did at UConn, I mean, they could definitely make fourth seed again. I could totally see that coming. If Kemba shoots like he did in college or at the beginning yeah. of, or in Charlotte um, yeah. and stuff like that. But if he doesn't, if he plays like he did in his last few seasons in Boston, yeah. he's kind of like if he just... was playing against 19-year-old Big Ten guys. But, exactly. Uh, he's just kind of walking around, you know? I don't know. I think, I think again, the Heat, the, excuse me, the Knicks have a very high ceiling, low floor, kind of like the Bulls, kind of like the Heat, but I don't think their ceiling is as high as maybe like Miami's or even Philly's now. Yeah, I totally agree with those takes. So I feel like we've mentioned all of the Dark Horse teams in the East. I feel like we should talk about the other side of the coast and yeah, go to the West. minutes here. So yeah, what do you, what do you guys, the West what do you guys Dark so Horse hard. teams in the West? It's tough in the West because so all hard. those teams are so loaded. There's so many teams, because again, back to my d- definition of what's a Dark Horse, like I don't count Denver as a Dark Horse. I... Do count Utah as a dark horse. I think they were by far the most overranked team. Like they were overhyped. They were. I think Donovan Mitchell was the team's like leading scorer, second leading rebounder, or second leading assist and third in rebounds. He was leading the team in pretty much most categories, or doing top two on the team in most categories. Uh, and he wasn't All NBA. He was not. Like he's good. He's solid. He's he's a great player. But Utah does not have a team or another scorer that's good enough to keep them in challenge in the West. I think they could do well in the East, but in the West, there's too many teams that offensively can just blow you away. Um, and well, if they form any sort of defense and Mitchell has a bad game, I think Utah is not going to go too far. So I don't count Utah. My dark horses, I'm just saying names now. Um, Golden State, I think it's going to come back. Yep. Dallas and Memphis. Those are my three. Yeah. I want to talk about the Jazz now that, you, now that you brought that up. I think one thing that a lot of us will forget is that Mike Conley is such an integral part of the Jazz and everything that they do at point. And losing him was one of the biggest things that kind of broke that kind of broke them down in their play style and their locker room down. Similar to Memphis. He's, when he's he left. a very quiet guy. He's like people have called him the nicest guy in the NBA. I think JJ Redick said that on his podcast. But uh what Mike Conley does, he's been one of the most efficient, like, he's been one of the most efficient point guards in the league, unlimited, and, like, playing in a somewhat limited role because he's giving the spotlight to Donovan Mitchell, who's a younger guy who deserves more touches, who I think he's, he's going to grow more into his own this season than as the season progresses. And they got a lot of, they got a lot of talent around him. They got Bogdan, right? And they got uh, Rudy Gobert, I feel like, gets a lot of hate because he's, well, just he's like, really he's not solid. A pretty guy I mean, he's the best interior defender in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. hands down, three time defensive player yeah. of the year. There's a reason why why he earned those things. Yeah. And so in terms of the dark horses, I could see the Clippers, the Warriors, and the Mavs up there. And uh, I, I think the Mavs are one player away. Yeah, Mavs are one player away. I think the Mavs even from, without like, making some real noise. We're not high in KP. Away. No. A real playoff P? No. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think if you take the Mavs, you've got one star, one guy who could be a star, and that's it. In my opinion, and like and good good players. Obviously, these guys made the NBA. They're really good at basketball. Uh, they challenge every almost every series they play in in the playoffs. At least they look like they could win it, but they're just one player away. Yeah, they just have to I play think the Clippers twice. They have, exactly. They could have beaten the Clippers. I th- in my opinion, they could have won at least this past past series. Yeah, but um, then Kawhi dropped like forty five. Kawhi said, days, "You know what? So, no, Kawhi yeah. was real." I feel like we got to talk about Kawhi for a bit, man, because he really didn't get. He doesn't really get the respect. 
like uh, on like ESPN podcasts or like just ESPN like mainstream media because he's like a quiet guy. You're not gonna build a lot of drama around him unless you really try to dig at him. Yeah. But he was like having a historic playoffs before he. I mean, went he's down. the PG he's the also final. had a great playoff run yeah. as well. He averaged like twenty eight five and five. Like, yeah, I that's, think that's an amazing stat line. It's an MVP type stat. Yeah, line, I think honestly. the Clippers again are that team where if they they stay healthy and they play well, can be really good. They're really solid. If Reggie Jackson's playing like he did when uh, someone got hurt, maybe it was after Kawhi. Reggie Jackson had a really good like everyone thought. Oh, his career's over. He's just gonna retire with the Thunder. Comes with the Clippers and like has a really good playoffs. Kind of come back like, oh my God, Reggie Jackson's good again. Yeah, Reggie Jackson really popped off. But I think, I think Kawhi, in my opinion, is a top three, if not top two, player in the league. He's one of the best scorers, an under, seriously underrated scorer, um, as well as one of the best defenders in the league. He's always in the top like five in the conversation for like who's the best defender right now. You know, you got your Rudy Gobert, you got your Thibodeaux, you got Kawhi Leonard. Uh, in my opinion. So I think the Sixer, the Clippers, excuse me, could definitely challenge. They could be a dark horse. But again, do I count them as a dark horse? They have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Are yeah, they but a Kawhi's going to be out for part of the season. And they also like, they also kind of like had a rough end to their postseason, especially with Patrick Beverly shoving Chris Paul. Like he was like, like, like yeah. it was like a middle school type of fight. Yeah, and um, but yeah, those are some good picks. I would say my dark horse in the West is the Golden State Warriors. Ever since Durant left, the Warriors have been irrelevant and they've been affected badly with the injury bug by not having Klay Thompson for the last one and a half, two years. However, this is a new year and the Warriors have totally reloaded by drafting Jonathan Kuminga and Moses Moody, signing Otto Porter Jr. and bringing back Max Kellerman's favorite player of all time, Andre Iguodala. Uh, but most importantly, the biggest reason why Golden State is a threat is because of Stephen Curry, who's still the best point guard in the league by leading the league in scoring and putting together a compelling MVP campaign in 2021. That guy was putting up video game numbers, honestly. Yeah. I understand the Warriors' interior defense is weak and they lack depth, especially with Wiggins' vaccination status being up in the air. But I could definitely see this team catching fire late in the season and giving the Lakers and Clippers a run for their money. Yeah, and I, honestly, James Wiseman's the X factor for that yeah, team. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. I think Wiseman's really good. He's, he's going to develop. Yeah, he's really going to develop. I think he's going to be really special. Him... Like Anthony Edwards on Minnesota. Like, there's a lot of young guys who look really, really, really good. And that's now. That's their rookie season. You know, they.